What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 201 of the Justin Inside podcast, a show where we talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and their journey through it. As always, my name is Tim Burbeck. I am your host and guide through said podcast. And just before we get into anything, just want to say a massive thank you to everyone that checked out episode 200 with Emma Boaster from Dying Wish. As I mentioned in that episode, it was a huge sort of milestone for us, and it was an honour to have Emma on as as the guest for that show. So yeah, like again, I can't believe like that we've reached 200 episodes, but really, really appreciate everyone that's shown us support in the, the past years and so on and so forth. Um, gonna do a little bit of plugging up top. We are nearing the deadline for our next charity sampler. Um, there's still a few spots, so if fans want to get involved, please do drop us a line at just underscore and underscore insight at hotmail.co.uk or reach us on our social medias if you want to submit a track. Um, so yeah, that should, if all things go as planned, come out August 1st. I might delay it a little bit just because of life things going on, which will be revealed soon, but we'll see how it goes. But yeah, um, the other thing that I wanted to quickly say off the top of the show this wasn't planned but it worked out really nicely um when we released the episode with with emma last week uh dying wish also announced the release of their debut album which will be coming out on october 1st uh it's called uh, fragments of a bit of memory the title track from that has also dropped that was if you listen to episode 200 that is the song that we were talking about in detail sort of which is very sort of personable to Emma and it's kind of the most open that she's been in in terms of like her own life and what she's put into to music. So definitely go check that out. Go pre-order the record from Sharp Tone Records. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. Not a whole lot else to report. It's been fucking rad to see Hardcore is Alive and Well over in the States, seeing more shows more videos courtesy of 197 Media, more shows courtesy of 856. <coughs> Excuse me, I forgot to breathe then. Um, <coughs> sorry. Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed it will be like that here again very, very soon. But for the meantime, we're still holding on to our hats and waiting to see what happens with all that goodness. Um so yeah, that's pretty much it. We'll get into this week's guest. And for the first time in a long time, I'm joined by two members of a band. I'm joined by vocalist and drummer of emo mathcore band Kanashi, uh, Peter uh, Reneo, who is the vocalist, and Ryan Paoli. I'm really sorry if I've pronounced your surname incorrectly, but it goes as Peo, who plays drums in the band. Um, I got to sit down with both of them, obviously discuss everything that's going on with Kanashi, each having sort of different journeys into alternative music but how they both have kind of a similar passion and drive specifically with the band and what they kind of want it to be and what they want to achieve with it uh how kind of their love of Coheed and Cambria kind of bonded them and, and what they wanted to achieve specifically with the concept that is now in the world with the Kanashi world and yeah just so so much more so this was a really cool one like I don't if you know me well enough, I don't usually like doing it with more, one or more than one person, sorry, because I feel like I'm neglecting the other people in said band. But this was a really cool dynamic to have them two like bouncing off each other and kind of bringing each other in. So, yeah, please enjoy the chat I have with 
Peter and Peo, and I'll see you on the other side. Right, so uh, joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast, a uh, vocalist and drummer of emo, mathcore band K and Ashi. Um, just for vocal premises, please introduce yourself and say what you do in the band. Uh, my name is Peter and I sing in the band. Uh, my name is Peo and I play drums in the band. Peo, Peter, thank you very much for, for joining me. Um, before we kind of obviously get into the, the nitty gritty of everything, how, how is everything? Obviously, this year kind of like a big-ish bat year for you guys, obviously with the, with the record out. But how's kind of everything been in, in general for like the last year or so for you guys? Um, it was honestly, it's been getting better. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was last year was rough, you know, um, it was like a whole rebuilding process, but now it's great. Yeah. I'm honestly. When I think of the last year, like July, 2020 compared to now, it's like only gotten better. Like, yeah. Exponentially yeah. better with 2021, like with the record being out and shows being back. But as of like right now, today, I'm a A1. Very good. (laughs) (laughs) That's good to hear. Good to hear. Um, But as I say, like what I always kind of like to start with with my guests is to kind of take them back to their their roots and origins of like how they kind of got into music. So I don't know who wants to start, but like what was your kind of like in into music? What kind of like got you into alternative music to start with? Okay, I'll go first. Uh, so I uh, I have come from a, a pretty musical family, I guess. I have uh, three older brothers. They all play music. My uh, my mm. mom uh, would always play like hair metal and stuff like that. So, like, oh, okay. Like bon Jovi, uh, Motley Crue, Van Halen, uh, all those types uh, of things. Uh, Rat and things like that. Um, so uh, Kiss was a big one for me. Uh, so that was like, I was always in this musical family sort of thing. My, my parents aren't really musical, but my brothers are. Um, and they brought right. around. Uh, my brother ended up playing guitar. My other brother ended up playing bass. And then so I, you know, inevitably I was like, oh, I want to play drums. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so that's how I started out. That's like, I don't know. I always wanted to be a drummer. I started drums when I was nine. So um, that's where I started. Peter, you want to go? Yeah. Um give you the mic yeah no one in my family was musical um and they never really even expressed like the music that they listened to you know what i mean except okay. for my uh my uncle would like play music around me all the time but like uh actually my dad was a dj but he never really put me on to music you know what i mean it was just like right, i was yeah. also really young when he was doing that so i wasn't even aware of like the music he was playing you know it was like a uh, club music but um i the way i got into it was uh i remember me and my brother shared a room so we would watch tv in the morning when like one person would take their shower the other one would be watching tv and he was watching mm. helena the video for helena by michael yeah yeah and i was just like you know what is that like that's stupid and then every day he'd be playing <laughs> and every day i would listen to it and i remember one day he, he took his shower first so i naturally went to mtv was watching it and i was just like yeah you know what i actually do like this and <laughs> that was uh 
pretty much like the very beginning, if I had to date it to one moment, it would be that. There was some stuff earlier, like I remember seeing like One More Time by Daft Punk on Toonami. Mm. Like, um, what else was there? Um, in the end, by Lincoln Park. I, don't, I think that was on Toonami too. Yeah. Um, very random. I remember seeing they covered Newfound Glory on Toonami for some reason. I used to watch Toonami. Oh, okay. But um, and I was like, oh, what is this band? But the moment was Helena by Michael Williams. Mm. So, Peter, was your boys, your brother kind of into like heavier stuff, or was that just because like that was what was on the on like MTV at the time? Like, um, just because it was on TV, he didn't know what it was either. We were yeah. discovering it at the same time. So, like, along with that, there was like. I think I don't know what else was on at that time, but uh, the next year was like Fallout Boy and Pick the Disco and uh, Backcountry by Avenged Sevenfold. You know what I mean? That entire uh, mm. block on MTV and on uh, even VH1. I remember we were watching like Room Five videos or like uh, I don't know what are the pop hits of that time. No, I know exactly what you're talking about because I used to I was watching all the same stuff. Yeah, like. Me- Videos. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, a. That had to be like 2004, 2005. Yeah, the Killers would be. Yeah, yeah, uh, some 41. <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah, like um, the Strokes maybe. Yeah, the Strokes. Uh, just look. I just looked up like the MTV Music Awards. Uh, like 2004, <laughs> it was like they play "Get Low" by Little John, Jesus Walks, Ocean Avenue, The Reason. Oh wow! Are you gonna be my girl? My that was always it's on. Just like that 2004, 2005. It was just so much. That's when I started getting into the rock. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like before that, I was listening to like a lot of hip hop, like with my uncle. You know what I mean? And just watching TV. But I started to realize this whole other side of music, um, like 2004 or later. Yeah. And Peo, for you, like, obviously, as you say, kind of like listening to like the hair metal side of things and, and kind of stuff like that. When did you kind of evolve into like the more kind of quote unquote like heavier stuff that may be a bit more in line with what you're playing nowadays? Um, so uh, I remember like, um, so I did like a project. I remember it was like you had to draw like uh, someone was an inspiration to you. So I, I guess the first heavy thing um, was like that I personally was like, this is what I'm into. It was uh, My first CD was Rob Zombie's Hellbilly Deluxe. I guess that was nice. 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 That was uh, that. But I was like really into Pantera as a kid because of my older brother. So that was like, I was already into heavy music, but that for a long time, that was like the heaviest it got for me. Um, yeah, yeah. I think... Let's see. What was the day? I know, like, I think it was when my brother came home from a Black Dahlia Murder concert. I think that was it. That was, like, the day I learned. I was like, oh, this is, like, what blast beats are. This is what, like, just crazy metal is. So yeah. I think that was it because I was, um, I mean, by sixth grade, I was already super into, like, uh, you know, Funeral for a Friend from Autumn to Ashes, uh, Atreyu senses fail i was really into that stuff and uh mm. 
Yeah, then I heard Black Dye Murder, which took me into like um <laughs> yeah. way more into the metal side. And I got really into like uh man, what would you call it? Like tech tap and deathcore. Um so yeah. like uh Necrophagus, Beneath the Massacre, Obscura, uh who else? I don't know. So that's like that. I would say that my brother coming home, he he went to Black Dive Murder at this place called the Bomb Shelter, which was like this literal bomb shelter. Um, and it was like this tiny place. And he was telling me it was like one of the craziest shows he's seen. The drummer was 17 years old, just da 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 da. Yeah. So I can't remember. I think they had two songs on MySpace at the time. And it was Funeral Thirst and uh what's the what's the other song off on Hallowed? I don't know. And then that <laughs> I don't, there was also always like my brother. So my brother was always in playing in bands, had all these musical friends. And back then it was like, you know, sharing CDs, like playing CDs, because you heard them, right? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I think it was just inevitable. Uh Dillinger Escape Plan. Also, that was another one. That's like so mm. Dillinger was like the prog side. So I got really into prog. And then Black Dollar Murder was like the really dark heavier stuff right yeah um i remember i heard my brother showed me 43 percent burnt in like sixth grade didn't know who the band was it was the only song i had heard for like five years and i couldn't find it because it was hard to find it right. shit like that <laughs> yeah. back then so um uh it wasn't until high school that i found calculating infinity like because i got my hands on like the cd and then you know the internet started becoming you know, you weren't downloading things off LimeWire. Um, mm -hmm. I also just couldn't remember the name of the band. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that was so that's how I got into heavy music. I think um, Black Tire Murder. Because <laughs> how how much older are your are your brothers than you? Um, let's see. Uh, so I got three other brothers. There's one year, three years, five years. So. Oh, okay. Cause I was just because the way you kind of said it was like. <laughs> with him going to the show and coming back it was was he quite older the fact that he was going to shows before you or was it just um, like so, i don't know he was a bit more interested in no, it no it was like so my um my family had a rule that's like you couldn't go to shows until high school you couldn't wear band t-shirts until high school so, right okay um, my so while what i was in fifth grade my brother would be a freshman i think maybe even fourth. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. when I was in fourth grade, my brother was a freshman. So as soon as I started playing drums, which was fourth grade, I was nine. Um, as soon as I started playing drums, my brother was going to all these shows that he could with all. Right. And so yeah. I would like stay up and wait for him to come home and like, be like, what, who would you go see? Tell me about it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I found out about Coheed and Cambria and funeral for a friend in the same day. That's the crazy thing. Yeah, that's, that's cool. I, I'll I'll stop talking. Oh, gosh, keep going. <laughs> I was just okay. It kind of sounds like similar because I've got an older brother who's four years older, and we kind of had like a similar thing. I think like I didn't go to my first show until I was about fourteen, fifteen, I think. And like the band shirt thing wasn't an issue, but going to shows was like a different thing. But obviously, my brother had already been going to shows four years or so before me, and it was a similar thing, like. He'd go to these shows and I'd come he'd come home and I'd be like, Oh, how was it? Who and all this sort of like and just like trying to chew his ear off and, and things like that. So I can fully, fully relate to it. Um but Peter, same thing, like obviously you said like 
kind of discovering these like things through MTV and, and things like that. But when did you kind of gravitate to the more sort of heavier stuff? Um, so it actually happened completely on accident. I um, we used to go to this mall, uh, Granite Run Mall on like Fridays and Saturdays. And everybody would go like, you know, with girls and smoke cigarettes and be like normal <laughs> kids and teenagers and I would just go to this arcade called Virtual Rush which was like across right. the parking lot from the mall like I'd go to the mall with them and then I'd just go by myself to Virtual Rush and it was like an arcade but it had like consoles and PCs in there it was like, yeah okay and, um they had rock band and I think I had Guitar Hero at the house so I was playing like I don't know, um, <laughs> Sweet Child of Mine or like, you know, Strutter. But then yeah. I was like, I want to play Rock Band because it looks cool. Like, it just looked different. You know what I mean? They had more variety in the uh, fucking... I'm sorry, can we curse? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of so I'm playing these songs. I'll never forget it. There was like nobody in the arcade. They had this beanbag with just the guitar and just this one screen. And it was just like the sun like just set. It was like 8 p.m. I remember this vividly. And I'm just playing this uh, arcade by myself. It's just the light from the screen. And I like found like Say It Ain't So by Weezer. Like hearing the song nice. the first time while playing it. I'm like, this is the best song ever. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And like Black Hole Sun. And then Welcome Home by Cody Cambria was the one. Playing that song, just listening to it while playing it, I was like, this is the best song I've ever heard. Like, I need to hear more. Like, I was obsessed with yeah. it in that moment. So I look up Koei DiCambria, and at that time, I would just study on Wikipedia. I would just read, just click. Mm. Um, and I was like, okay, they're a progressive rock band. I want more progressive rock bands. So then I would just find, like, I don't know, Yes or King Crimson or Rush, which I didn't like a lot of that stuff. You know, I mean, Rush, I like. And then I was like, okay, progressive metal. So I just found a bunch of bands that way. It's like, oh, post-hardcore. So then I just find, like, you know, Welcome Home was, like, really this Trojan horse for me to find, like, Fear Before the March of Flames, which sounds nothing like that. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, what are these bands? I was on Last FM, so it was like, if you like Cody Cambria, you don't like protest hero. So I just <laughs> yeah. stumbled across this crazy music. And um, yeah, I just kept going. And then I like actually found like I remember I found the Devil Wars Prada, like dog to your own beard all over. I was just like, dude, this is just a whole other flavor that I never expected. I was so hooked immediately when I heard it. So it started mm. with playing. Welcome home on medium. I just like <laughs> that just kept going and just kept clicking and reading tour flyers and just you know I'd be watching interviews and they shout out other bands. I'm looking at the where yeah, yeah. I just could not stop learning and consuming these bands. Mm. Yeah. And then obviously Pay said kind of like you sort of picked up drums from an early age but peter for you obviously we we know you as the as the vocalist but like 
has kind of singing always been what you were into? Did you dabble with any instruments when you were younger? Like, what was your kind of actually playing music sort of side of things getting into? Uh, I never really had a um, phase playing. You know what I mean? I wanted to play guitar and bass. I actually got a guitar for my, I think it was 18th birthday. And I actually mm. bought a fucking Explorer bass. So perfect. Nice. Like, <laughs> I can look like Claudio Sanchez, but I could like play like trash <laughs> yeah. song. And I just got so frustrated so fast. I was like, dude, fuck this. I never want to do this again. <laughs> I was thinking about what if I kept playing? Because I tried playing Dig, my trash talk one time, and like I actually hit like the right note one time. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> that one Sounds time. like the song. It was such a fucking, <laughs> it was an insane feeling. You know that feeling. Oh yeah. I was like, oh shit. I actually like played it. I'm like, man, I should have just kept going with that from here now. So <laughs> I was, uh, it was like, I listened to so much like rap and just like such lyrical rappers that it just seemed mm. so natural to me. Like with the with vocals, it's not like Peo is a seasoned professional. Like he plays drums, he knows and understands yeah. the drum. Like I don't know chords or scales or anything about vocals. I just know what sounds good so it's like yeah, yeah it always was so natural to me i was like just i guess growing up listening to like kanye west and cameron and just like jay-z just it's default that's what the music's supposed to be like lyrical and thought out mm. you know so it just seemed natural to me i was like obviously don't we all know how to do this yeah. <laughs> that's how i felt about it and it's like oh wow you write really good lyrics I'm like oh thank you that's how everyone's supposed to do it, right? <laughs> yeah. I thought that was just default until I, you know, listened to these other bands. I'm like, man, we didn't all grow up on the same stuff. <laughs> nope. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's the way I, I looked at it. And that's how I got into it. I was just like, I I just, from the start, all I ever wanted to do was play on stage. You know what I mean? So it was mm. like, I can I can sing. I can like or not sing. I can do vocals, you know, scream. That's no yeah. problem. That's the way I looked at it. It wasn't like this thing I honed and perfected and practiced. Yeah. I just kind of always knew how to do it. That's the way I looked at it. Yeah. <laughs> That's not the case for me. Yeah. It's <laughs> not one bit for me. No. I have to practice a whole bunch. Like I'm just yeah. I don't know. Fuck you, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that was. But Peo, in terms of that, like practicing and stuff, as you say, like you had like your brothers that were playing instruments as well. So, like when you were younger, did you play with them, or like did you kind of like all go your separate ways? And but and like in terms of the practicing things, because they were playing stuff, did it encourage you to kind of? practice a bit more and get better at what you were doing so oh man that's a that's a really good question when it comes to that so uh when i was younger my brothers wouldn't jam with me uh oh shit yeah. that's pretty I mean, savage uh so my 
one of my brothers would he would he would be nice enough to come in and like humor me for like five <laughs> yeah. to ten minutes and then be like okay i'm gonna go but my oldest brother who played guitar would never jam with me uh when i was younger um yeah which i guess is understandable in a sense but not really um anyway i'm i'm gonna throw that shade but uh, <laughs> uh so we yeah we absolutely you know went our separate ways um my uh oldest brother i would always go to my oldest brother's shows and then my second oldest brother joined his band um and they would play shows together for a long long time uh and then when i was in like a senior uh in high school um we did i we, me and my brothers did play some like instrumental shows for a little bit but uh that was it that was like the only time i like filled in sometimes for my band but uh definitely it's really weird so like uh I play like this heavier music. Uh, my oldest brother is like a, he went to Berkeley and all that. So like right. there was a lot of pressure when it came to like, I like being good or something like that. Like, you know, my brother went through the same music program as I did in school. So, you know, everyone kind of expected this, like, oh, well, you're supposed to be good. And I wasn't like, yeah, I yeah. wasn't this like prodigy as a kid. So I had to work extra hard at practicing and all that. I still have to work super hard practicing. Like, um, whereas my brother is just like, <laughs> he's insane. Yeah. so, um, and I also, I tried out for Berkeley and I didn't make it in. Um, and he like graduated that whole nine. Um, so there was like a lot of pressure to it for sure. Um, but I was, my, my whole point was I always like wanted to do something different. Um, and I guess that kind of pushed me to go to the heavier music was like, well, naturally, you know, I wanted to play really hard stuff. I played drums, you know what I mean? I wanted to be loud. So I gravitated towards yeah. your music. But uh yeah, no, um none of this stuff came naturally to me. Uh I had to practice a whole <laughs> bunch. Um but I like practicing too. That's another thing. It's like when it comes to mm. uh learning an instrument and so you like you really have to let that aspect, like you gotta let it in. Like you have to embrace the fact that you're gonna be sitting with your instrument for like three hours a day, like minimum. You know yeah. what I mean? If you want to get as far as you can, if that makes sense. Um, hmm. I don't know if I answered your question that well. But... No, 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 definitely. Um, and the other thing was, because obviously you're, you've, you're Philly based now, but did you both grow up in, no, in Philly? No, no. Uh, Peter's from Philly. I'm from Massachusetts. Uh, so like a lol Boston sort of bit, um, which is like six, yeah. seven hours away. Um yeah, we grew up in, that's like the weird thing about me and Peter. We're like, we grew up totally different, uh, totally different people. Uh, you know, like mm. I grew up on hair metal and was like, you know, introduced to music, like this rock thing. I was like born into this sort of thing without yeah. being like an industry person. Yeah. You know? um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. We just lived totally two different lives. So crazy. <laughs> the, the reason I ask is crazy. Yeah. yeah. The the reason I ask is because I always find it interesting, like what different people's scenes are like, and especially like me being from the UK, but where it's like a tiny little island sort of thing, and obviously the states, every different state has its own kind of thing, so to say. So growing up, like, what were your kind of experiences like with the live music side of things in terms of like going to shows like pay obviously you said like your brothers were going to shows before yeah. you 
so obviously you knew it was a thing but peter for yourself like when did you start attending shows and discovering that side of things so i always thought about shows as concerts you know, i always thought it was this huge thing you know what i mean yeah this unattainable thing and uh i remember i saw a video i cannot find it but it was bringing the horizon in like oh god of all bands <laughs> in like a basement it was like somewhere so small and so many people were there and people were jumping off the stage i was like dude what is this like i always thought of a show as a concert you know what i mean i saw yeah, the video yeah. of like bad braids of cbgb's so i was like what like they have it on that level and then the video for one arm scissor i was like if i had to drive it for anyone listening and then <laughs> i was like i genuinely thought it wasn't real i thought it was like right i don't know actors like performing or something like how <laughs> can this be real like people do this on stage like i was so fascinated so then my uh first show was uh in westchester it was world of torcraft it was alisada drop dead gorgeous fear before the march of flames i set my friends on fire and fall from grace that is a fucking lineup for a fair and show like, i was so hooked from there it was like i always walked past this venue and i remember seeing a poster for jaguar love and a poster for aiden I was just like, what? Aiden is going here? Yeah, like, yeah. But I don't know why I thought tickets would be too expensive. I just came with all these weird excuses in my head. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I want to go. So I asked my mom if I could go. And then me and my brother were on the sidewalk. He had my sister moving down shirt on. I had a pizza party Teenage Ninja Turtle shirt on. Nice. Back then at Hot Topic, the only stuff that they had, like, 2x was like the novelty section not yeah. the whole section. <laughs> yeah, i wanted to bring the horizon shirt but they only had that like the slim fit so and uh so i had my my shirt and i'm on the sidewalk and i was seeing you know seeing kids for the first time in person not on like Google images. i was like mm. this is real i'm here this is insane so we get inside they like the wristband and give your money you had to go up the steps and then down to get to the dance floor to set your night at the bar. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. Oh my God. I'll never forget it. I like chase this feeling still to this day of just like no lights on. You know what I mean? The venue was so dark, but you could see like the lights of like the guitar gear. You know what I mean? The, the red yeah. and green dots on the stage. That shit looked so cool to me. I was just like, this is amazing. I want to do this. I need to do this. So that um, that's how it started, that show. And then the next one right after that was uh, The Bronx and Trash Talk. Oh, nice. Stars, it was just like, I only went to that because it was the next all-ages show at the venue. I yeah. didn't know what it was. I didn't go because it was Trash Talk. And this is 2009, so... It was like really just it was shot. There was like nobody there. But the people there were mm. just going so 
crazy. I, it was such a I didn't know what hardcore was. You know what I mean? It was such a different experience. Yeah. From the like post hardcore scene show, and just seeing all like you know trash talk was played on the floor. There was way less people in this venue. I was just in that was packed. Yeah, yeah. You know, I started to understand there's different sides to it. <laughs> Everyone's going side to side, piling onto each other, screaming. I was like, okay, they didn't do that at the other show. Okay, that's the thing you yeah. see at the hardcore show, not the siege. I just started understanding and putting the pieces together. And I don't know. It's just every show I just wanted to go to another. I'm like, what's the next one we're going to? Mm. And then the what really sealed the deal was the Epitaph record store. It was Every Time I Die, Bring Me the Horizon, uh, Architects, O Sleeper. And that was the Electric Factory. Nice. And that was like a concert. So like it was actually in the city. You know what I mean? Just the yeah. line around the building and just so many people that I felt like we're all the same pages. You know, I never felt that before. And just walking in, just seeing the merch, just the house music playing, the fucking banner. Not like the band, like the, the stage. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Okay. just so much. And it's like every show we play, every tour announcement, I just want to <laughs> I just want to be that band. I just want to yeah. make that feeling happen again. It's so crazy, like. I just remember it vividly. But I like, I want to hear Peo's story about getting into like local shows and the scene and shit. Cause your story is really interesting to me. Really? Because yeah. yours is way more interesting than mine. I feel I, like mine's so standard. The Rocco's culture. Like, you got to explain oh, that. Oh, man. That's, that's a whole different story. I wish I was there for that. Okay. So I guess, so yeah, I guess we'll segue to me. So I started <laughs> going to shows like so. I kind of knew the difference of shows and concerts pretty soon. Same, like, I thought, you know, shows were concerts, yeah. right? Yeah, Same yeah. thing, but, like, so I think, let's see. My brother started playing shows when I was in fifth grade, so that's when I started going to them. But I was only allowed to go to my brother's shows, strictly. Mm. Um, they were, like, a pop-punky, fallout boyish, Blink-182 sort of bit, like. Um, right. Uh, they, uh... Yeah, so I started going to those shows, and, like, I understood what happened at those shows. And mm-hmm. I was like, but, like, we would, because, like, back then, you would, you would book a VFW hall and, uh, you know, um, just put on anyone of yeah. that onto that show. So, like, it would mm. be mixed bill, like, crazy. So you would see a pop punk band, and then you would see, like, a death metal band, like, or something like that. Um, so I started, I did get the chance to see, like, these metal bands. And stuff like that um but it was mostly like pop punk um that would be like fifth or sixth grade mm-hmm. until uh i did my first concert was uh what was it? i think my first concert was van halen van oh, halen nice. was kaimani marley oh my god that shit was that's sick that was the first <laughs> time i ever like heard reggae like yeah in like i dude it was so loud and heavy and there was so much bass and i didn't understand what was happening i was like <laughs> wait are we at the right show like yeah. i was so confused but uh so the, that that's when i was like oh okay this is a concert that's a show yeah i figured that out right then and there um then uh i i guess 
playing shows is a whole different thing. And then like, I hadn't gone to Rocco's until until I started playing shows. Basically, Damn, really? yeah, no. So it, it got to this point. Um, like I went to the Manchester like uh, American Legion. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I saw some bands there, but the, again, it was always my brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the time I was in high school, my brothers' bands weren't really playing shows like that. Uh, Were your brothers' bands playing with post hardcore? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. Mad post hardcore bands. Uh, which was that's how yeah, like that's how I got into all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like just all the bands. Oh, man, there's this band called The States that I just wish one day I can find their music. There was this crazy three piece, like this tall, like dude, this bassist had to be seven foot tall. Their guitars were <laughs> super short. Um, and then this drummer just killed it. And there were this three piece from New York state and they're called the States. And they were probably like the best band I'd ever seen out of yeah. all those shows. Um, I saw four years. Okay. So the Pepperell community center, let's talk about that. It's like five minute walk up the street from like where I grew up, my the town I grew up. I saw mm. Four Years Strong there. My brother played with Four Years Strong. Nice. I saw A Loss for Words uh, at the Townsend VFW because my brother played with them. Um, yeah, because like everyone would just play a VFW hall. Yeah. Like, yo, there was a crazy band that came through and I'm trying to remember that. I was like, really? Our last night was like five minutes up the road for me too. So like, you know, before all of the covers and all that. So like, I guess yeah. I would actually say our last night was probably like my first introduction to like moshing. You know, I saw kids like right, yeah, because like you know, kids would like hardcore dance to like our last night. Yeah, and so that was like my first intro. I was like, "What the fuck is going on here? This is weird. This is crazy." Um, pile ups definitely in the pop punk, but okay. So, but yeah, when I joined, I didn't join. I created my high school band that I'm not naming. If you want to do the research fine i hate you uh <laughs> when i i created that band i was like okay well i gotta start i gotta put on i got i gotta book a show right we've got songs gotta yeah. play a show um millie's tavern used to play this place millie's tavern awful sell the tickets sell the 10 tickets so you can play your set oh but Rocco's, man so Rocco's is crazy Rocco's was like my introduction to uh this world because it's weird i was like i existed in this really obscure realm of the music scene so it's it's weird there's mm. like this inner pocket where everything is and then i feel like it's like these it's like the the earth's core you know what i mean <laughs> like, right? so like i was at the like the the Mental. inner no no i was like at the inner crust or okay yeah. you know not the outer crust but the inner crust mm-hmm. and then i just <laughs> dove right into the core Right. I, I missed I missed the mantle and I was like, Pew! but um, yeah. so my band plays. I booked us a show at a place called Rocco's Rest in Peace. Mm-hmm. And I would be like the same thing. Essentially, what happened with you with the, the flyer? Like you were saying, like, well, I'm going to go to that. What's this? What's yeah. the next show? So we played this show. And it was the first time I had like seen other local metal bands with with me right. like with my band like the first time i was like yeah. oh wow there's like actual other musicians like this out here and then i saw all these flyers on the outside of the how what was the window it, yeah it was it was not even a window because this place was it was like in the middle of manchester and it was like ended up getting busted for like the largest meth bust in new hampshire anyway 
Yeah, oh, it's, like, it's like the craziest place. This one time a dude got like beat up down the stairs. <laughs> it just got oh, left God. there. Like it's mad funny. Right. Not funny, but that place was crazy. There was like mirrors across the wall, like alongside, because it used to be like an old like dance club. And one night right, all yeah, the yeah, mirrors yeah. got broken. Every single one of them. Um, but yeah, I saw they were like posted on this like I guess bulletin thing outside. Mm-hmm. Um and I believe it was for the Fallen Dreams. And I was like, who's this band? And at the bottom, it said uh, myspace.com slash I'm Thirsty Entertainment. So it. I went and looked oh. that up and it's just flyers, flyers. I was like, who are these bands? What's going on here? And so I did the same thing as Peter. I just started studying because I had no like, scene. I, I knew what scene was, but I had no idea. Yeah. Like, about any of the bands like i'm still learning about scene bands from peter uh but like back then yeah i like that's when i figured it out Dude, rocco's how rocco's worked is like if you couldn't play boston uh you would just go up to rocco's and that right okay yeah yeah like I, i've seen uh dying fetus there i've seen uh a uh, day to remember played there uh when there was no stage and it was just a floor um it, it, like Fall Out Boy played in Manchester. I think that was the American Legion. Um, but uh, Alisana, Dance Gavin Dance, uh, Pierce the Veil. Uh, yeah. Just like, and but then on top of it, you'd probably, you could see the Acacia Strain there. Or, um, hmm. I don't know. Hardcore, like Cruel Oh yeah, Cruel, yeah. dude. Every week was a hard, it was uh, like Knuckle Up. Uh, oh man, what was this band? The Enemy. Um, yeah, I mean, cruel hand you got was there a bar at Rocco's? yes that, that's um, the so you had to go downstairs there was there's the floor which you just walk in and it was just it was just a floor basically uh it was a glorified right. vfw and then downstairs was the bar yeah and yeah that shit got so reckless dude um <laughs> that reminds me like your story it's like i pretty much had the same thing happen except with a venue called champs and trenton where um mm. I was going to these local shows and then I always heard about this venue. Uh, I always saw dates going to Trenton, New Jersey and I always wanted to go to this venue but I like had no way to get there. I thought I could have fucking went and I, I just wish I went and saw Sovereign Strength Delusions and with life in mind there. If I knew how easy it mm. was to get there. Yeah, ten years ago, I still I would have went to that show. So then, our (laughs) friend Des got his first car, and we're like, "All right, well, we out the champs." So we went to go see Modern Day Escape. Uh, Don't tell me to get scared. No, I was gonna say is that that, my brother dragged me to that. (laughs) Modern Day Escape, Doctor Acula, the Bunny the Bear from Atlantis. Oh wow! And like, I was just so tapped in with the fucking tragic hero shit the fucking post hardcore you know mp3boo.com type mp3 shout yeah, out yeah, mp3, shout MP3. boo.com that's what kind of band we are tim like that's how i, I want to be that kind <laughs> of vibe like when you downloaded some, a zip file metalcore you see what i'm saying so, <laughs> yeah. so we get to this venue and i don't know what i was thinking like, I thought it was going to be this insane MySpace 
beer before type vibe. It's just a bar in New Jersey. Like it was so I I loved it. Don't get me wrong, I love champs. I just it was so underwhelming. Underwhelming. And it wasn't like a it wasn't like the note. Well, you never went to the note, but uh I don't know. I thought it was gonna be like some live nation venue. That's what I'm trying to yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. It was just like a bar, a pool table, and just like the back room of the bar. I'm like, this is where the show is. There are people moshing, like airing up this carpet. It's not even straight. Like you walk into the stage is like this way. I don't even know how to explain it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like crooked. Like it, yeah, <laughs> it's in the corner, dude. I fell in love with it. It's just graffiti on the walls. There's a torn up couch. The I was like, dude, this is what, where am I? And, uh, <laughs> this was like, this was right when I had started Kaudashi. So I, um, I asked, I forget how it works. I asked uh, Joe Stanley, I was like, hey, um, how can I play here? I don't know what my plan was. I like when I started Kaudashi, I just had all this blind faith. I just thought like, I would just, like Scott Pilgrim, I'm just going to ask around. My journey starts here. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> how do I start a band? I'm like, hey, how do I play here? I would like never ask somebody that. Now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah. um, I remember he's like, well, are you like a hardcore band or a metalcore band? I was like, uh, metalcore. I feel like I was in Pokemon. Like, <laughs> you're blind. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um, okay, well, you're going to go with nice guy booking, and that's Michelle. I was like, okay. So I asked the lady at the door, hey, um, no, that's not how it happened. I responded, I messaged niceguybooking.com, like their email. I was like, um, kid with some horrible email. I'm in a Philadelphia-based metalcore band in New York, 84 <laughs> gigs. And so she just put me on the fucking, what's it called? Like the mailing list or yeah. something like that. So I yeah, would always yeah. get these emails with like dates and like spots open, like how many spots were open. And to me, I thought it was like the jackpot. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, we can play with us from outside and Sirens and Sailors. You know, <laughs> that was important to me. That was so important to me. So then I went back to the guys at practice. I'm like, all right, I got us a show with this or the apocalypse. Like, I thought I really did something. So it's like, we're playing at 4 p.m. on a Sunday. <laughs> you know what I mean? With this the apocalypse. And uh, that was the hardest set. I was just like, I thought it was like my one chance. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Bright outside. No one's there. But the homies were there. Like, our friends came. And I had work that night, actually. I had to leave early. Then I found <laughs> out... Um, the artwork of play uh, a band from Jersey did a Norma Jean cover. I was like, "What? A band did a Norma Jean cover?" As soon as I left, I was heartbroken. But um, <laughs> I really wish I was there for that. But yeah, that was kind of like the same as Rocco. They had like it. If it wouldn't go to Philly, so it would go to Champs. You know what I mean? And yeah, then yeah. We'll just go to Champs. It's right over the bridge. So that is, yeah. Champs is 100% yeah, I mean, the Rockos. Same of thing. The, yeah. Like, 
Mm. Everything will get booked there. Like yeah. misery singles have played there. Yeah. Bandoff champs have played there. Like I'm willing to bet every champs like <laughs> tour back then yeah. went to Rockos. Like mm-hmm. sure. Mm. But um it was uh it was so important because I felt even more connected to this music than I thought I knew everything about. I, I always thought yeah, I knew yeah. everything about it, like from oh, I know Cody Cambria and Duck Duck Goose, and it's like it's always this under <laughs> yeah. layer. It's like I didn't even know how local bands worked. I didn't know Trophy Scars was like a local on that Brock show. You know what I mean? They're from Jersey, mm. so I started to realize like the further I got into it, the more I realized how it worked and how I could fit in the scene with Kanashi. Yeah, yeah. And then, so in terms of you guys, like getting into and actually like playing music, like Pear, obviously you said like you had that high school band, but what would you kind of class was like your quote unquote like first proper bands that you were part of? Uh, my first proper band was right out of high school, like like an actual uh, working sort of band. Uh, I didn't make it to Berkeley, so I joined a band called Dead Ocean. Um, you know, I was like the band made my first music video with. I, uh, um, you know, we did a tour. We did a few tours. Mm. Um, but uh, so that was like, yeah, right out the gate, 2010, 2011, after I got out of high school. Um, and yeah, it was like a, I don't know how you would call it. We called ourselves ambient hardcore. It, it right. was, yeah, we were, we were like, yeah, we were just the heavy parts of like, I don't know. Yeah, Kingdom Leaks Metalcore. It was just like only the heavy sides of it. We didn't do for the fall mm. dreams, fit for a king, minus singing, minus singing, which is so. It just I understand when you're like starting a fucking band and it's like no one has the confidence to sing quite yet. You know what I mean? No, the whole plan was to not sing. Oh, was there was there was no plan to yeah no intentional. I mean, not it was totally intentional no singing. Yeah, like you were a Bosch band. Yes, oh, yeah, okay. we were like we were strictly like a, like yeah, which was funny. It was like, yo, when we like we were like the asshole band, which yeah. is I go and think about it. I go and think like, dude, there were so much heavier, meaner bands than us, but like, it's just so funny to think that people are getting like, dude, we're just playing like I don't know like, um. Oh man, how do you call it? Uh, ah, I don't know. It's like I guess like um, those spacey kind of like Oceana parts. Yeah. Da, 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 and like kids are just getting beat up to it. I'm just like, dude, what's going on here? Definitely a different time. Definitely a different. 2012. Yeah. And Pete, what about you? What was your kind of like first band? Um, Kanashi. <laughs> oh okay cool yeah that was the first one i like tried starting stuff with people before and it just never worked out and uh Kanashi was like the one that was like Dude, let's really do this please like mm. i know what to do i know the industry it's just like, i didn't know anything <laughs> yeah. that's so funny think about but um i was so just i wanted to start a band more than anything at all. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we're still here. So in terms of that, like, because obviously, like, we'll get on to sort of how, like, the band's evolved and stuff in a, in a minute, but, like, were you kind of, like, always, like, writing stuff, like, lyrically before the band even started because, like, you wanted to start a band sort of thing? No. 
I didn't write anything until uh, the band started. Like, so it was just more that kind of want and need to start a band yeah, sort of thing. Literally, like I wrote <laughs> lyrics so that I had an excuse to say something on stage. Yeah, yeah. It's not like I was this poet. I wasn't just Eminem, <laughs> yeah. Eminem on the bus just writing my life story. Oh, <laughs> it was like, okay, oh shit, the songs are done. That's yeah. still yeah. how it is. That's still how it is. <laughs> it's like, actually, I, I prefer it that way. Like, I didn't write the lyrics for the song Hindsight until the day I tracked it. Like, I wrote it. And then oh, wow. It. That, that song actually did one take. That's like, cool, man. That's cool. Yeah, it was one take. Wow, yeah, I didn't know that. I wrote a construction paper, green construction paper, with an orange marker at Isaac Preston's house. I had nothing to write on. You know what I mean? But um, that's that's really how I always looked at it. It's a goal. I'm telling you, when I saw I set my friends on fire, and this was like right before they like performed, you know what I mean? The house music was still playing. It was like really dark. Mm. None of the house lights were on, which I thought was weird right before they're set. And I just saw like the guitar gear on stage. I saw I just fell in love with it. I was like, I want to do that. So everything mm. was fueled by that moment. Me messaging people asking them, hey, do you play bass? Are you free this weekend? You know what I mean? Trying to set up that first practice. It was all fueled by first seeing that fucking show. It wasn't... I yeah. saw my friends on fire had the best set. It was just coming down those stairs in the venue and seeing the dance floor and the stage. I was like, I need to be the dude on stage. Yeah, I yeah. Here on out is a step toward being that dude on stage. That's cool. Um, and Peo, for you... Obviously, you're saying like that first band, you had the opportunity to sort of go out on on the road and stuff like that. And I always find like what first people's first experiences, especially like when they're younger, like going out on the road is like. So what was that kind of experience like for you? And kind of did you have any expectations of like what touring would be like? And did it live up to that? Was it a complete mess? What was the whole situation like? Oh, man. Okay. well, so the first like big, big one that i did uh complete fucking mess um i uh are the last one the one we did prior to that was kind of also like rocky like two of our shows dropped out of like a week in two day show so it was like weird um but yeah it was it was a rough one it was uh with deception of a ghost and thoughts in reverse suvery 2012 (laughs) Um, and um yeah it was bad uh right away like so i think after the second day of tour our trailer tire popped oh uh, shit vocalist showed up with only like a hundred dollars and had spent it all by the second day on alcohol (laughs) yeah this was back when gas was five dollars a gallon so like and we were only making us like 75 50 to 75 a night uh, so yeah. you know, ten gallons is not getting you, uh, you know, an eight-hour drive, uh, and especially in a van. 
full of people uh with a trailer um and uh yeah it was really bad i don't know expectations i was just really i was so excited to just get out there and not be in massachusetts or new england anymore i was yeah really really excited to just be out there i don't care who i'm playing for um I'm, i guess my expectations were i thought that the bands would be bigger than they were you know what i mean I thought they right. would be cooler. I mean, there were some cool cats in those bands, but there were some real lamos in those bands. Uh, <laughs> I definitely thought it would be, uh, uh, you know, yeah, I just, th- I thought, like, I didn't know how, like, that worked because I only saw, yeah. like, my my, my, um, my band at that time, Dead Ocean, was, like, really, like, we did really well at home. Uh, we did right. well in, like, you know, like, New York-ish and stuff like that. But God damn, man, that was like, it's, it was a real, uh, it's a humbling experience. I really, I think everyone should go travel and like try to push their own art somewhere and see how it goes. Cause it'll bring mm. you right down to back to step one. Yeah. Um, but no, it was a, I think it was the best thing possible because by the time I joined Kaunashi, basically that tour taught me everything, what not to do. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and also it, taught me to keep like how to keep a cool head in like probably the worst situation possible like i don't know getting stranded in the middle of pennsylvania the next shop is 30 minutes down the road and then the next shop is four hours down the road yeah land and then (laughs) one tire the right size comes in an hour later just only one right yeah so, yeah dude i swear to god and i was just i will never forget that because that reminded me exactly of the time in texas oh, or the time in texas reminded me of that um so like i don't know like my band members i i would you know watch my band members freak out and be like i don't want to act like that because they're they're having a really bad time um yeah and, yeah i also learned you know how to help people that are clearly struggling uh try to figure shit out i don't know because every ever since then i haven't had like well then again i'm not touring with those people but um you know i've learned so much that our first tour which my first tour with kaunashi was kaunashi's first tour uh, i felt like Mm. i don't know so confident that nothing if something did go wrong i knew how to fix it yeah that that's it just if you're if you're a young kid that is gonna go out on tour and like literally expect the worst and then expect even worse than that, um, and like <laughs> yeah. whatever you do, do not let it beat you up. Do not let it win because you'll hate music or you'll never want to tour, and that's like the worst part. I've seen so many people that are like, yeah, I don't like touring anymore. But it's like it's all based. It comes down on your own personal decisions and like how you treat the situation that comes up, man. Like. We've been mm. in some situations and we are chilling. Yeah. We're doing good. I think it's uh worth mentioning that I started working at that venue that I was talking about earlier. Is it right? Okay, cool. And um I like just watched how bands operated. So like I don't know, like when a tour package would come through, I understood how like okay, the fucking tour manager gets out first and like finds the parking and then like they load in their gear they shake the production manager's hand i just watched 
my dream happen every day. You know what I mean? I'm mm. supposed to be preheating the grill. <laughs> I'm just watching like, oh, we're looking for a merch spot. Well, this is where the headliner will put theirs because it's like closer to more people. You know, just study little things like that. The support bands put their stuff like over there and just like watching how bands operate on tour. And I was just, I always wanted to tour. Like it was like, I thought touring was going to be like a, everything was through a fisheye lens. And I was like, Ollie Sykes, that's not what touring's like at all. <laughs> like, I just always, I would watch these videos on YouTube and be like, oh my God, this is so cool. You know, basement sitting outside of like an in and out with like the neighborhood or like the XX playing like music over the tour video. <laughs> oh man, they're just having such a genuine experience. <laughs> and I was like, that's what touring's going to be like for me. It's going to be like a movie. And then we went to <laughs> Brunswick, Georgia, and it was not a movie. It was <laughs> a movie, you know what I mean? It was a but um, it's been the best part of my life. Ooh. Yeah. Purpose, you know what I mean, of my life, I would say it's just like doing this, what I love. It's like so important. Touring is the best thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> And just because obviously with Ken, that kind of first Ken Ashitil, like obviously being your first experience, Peter, but having like someone like Peo and maybe the other members of the band that had kind of had the experiences as well, like, okay, like as you say, you were seeing people in the venue and sort of that side of things, but actually being out on the road was a bit different. But because you had other people around you, did you feel like not maybe more comfortable, but because like you'd had people with first-hand experience, like, that you were a bit more reassured of, like, how things, if things did go wrong, that you had the right people around you, kind of. Yeah, shit. The first time we were talking about it, like, me and Peo, like, when I basically gave him his interview, like, for the band, I was like, are you, like, are you a tour? Because, <laughs> like, what I truly meant was, please help me. I want to tour. <laughs> and he's like, I'm ready. I remember this. Like, are you ready? <laughs> he, literally, that's exactly yeah. like I remember the interview. Uh, at was it Kung Fu Necktie? Yeah, Kung Fu Necktie. At Kung Fu Necktie, and like he's like, yeah. So like, do you want a tour? And I was like, yeah. Have you ever been? And he's like, oh no, I haven't. I was like, oh, I, was like, I have. <laughs> I just a fucking drummer that wanted to tour, that understood what touring even was, you know what I mean? Like, some people just don't look at it that way. Like, they just write music, just play songs. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, that was another one of those parallels that me and Peo just had, where, like, we both wanted to be touring musicians. Mm. Just Peo had the experience. Which, thank God, because, you know, I'm sure you would have liked to have somebody <laughs> in Dead Ocean that... So that's the thing, is what, what we did, but he was he was like... <laughs> you did? Yeah, and he was a dickhead. That's like, so... Funny. He, like, just got mad about everything, and I was like, okay, you had experience, but I bet you were not fun to tour with, because you absolutely aren't. Um. So, yeah, which was... Yeah, uh basis he was like 
you know, like, like right? God. Yeah, like when he was like 16 and 17, he would like do, he was like, yeah, I've done like two full USs, and I was like, yeah, with uh, my fictions, Seamus. This is how I met Seamus. I have no idea about any of that, dude. My fictions is mad good. It's like Please. my fictions is like uh. Yo, they're like Touche more before Touche more got big. What? Like, I'm so serious. Uh, they used to be called a bra, a breath beyond broken. Um, I never heard of this. It's so good. This is blue the saddest landscape. Yeah, they're so good, bro. My fictions is so good. All right. Um, all right. and yeah, uh, yeah, origin, Lowell, Massachusetts. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. Um. Yeah, so he, sorry to just totally... No, 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 you're cool, you're cool. There's Seamus. Um, yeah. Um, wow, dude. This picture, he's pulling up pictures now and it's sending me back, dude. I... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Um, yeah, he, he, he got real mad and that's fine, whatever. Um, <laughs> I thought it was like it was going to be all jolly and all that. Um but yeah, no, it wasn't. My tour wasn't. <laughs> but with, with, oh, well, I guess. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, I was gonna say. Well, I guess this is a good point to sort of segue into Kanashi a bit more. And obviously, so I guess the best place to start is like, how did you guys meet? Was it that that interview? Had you met before? Like, and how did you guys come to, to come together? This is me. Yeah. All right. So the interview is 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 more so of like, I had already. I'll just start from getting okay. Yeah. So, oh man. All right. Uh, I used to book this band called Christ Say D. I booked them a Philly show. Uh, and I met this at that show. I met um, this is I was I booked a tour for them. One of the shows is Philly. Um, right. I met this dude named Dom. Dom uh, at, at that show. Dom then booked Christ's next show at this venue called the Chocadero. That's where I met Peter uh, first time. Peter. Hi, hi, invite me, and that was it. Like you know, like nice. <laughs> see you later. Um, and then Dom was like, "Hey, I want to book your band." So I was like, "Word." So it was. There's literally a flyer. It says Kaunashi versus Dead Ocean, which was mad funny. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that's that show was the turning point. I um, you know, uh, my band went down there. Our our band died uh, on the way there. We were super late to the show, and Kaunashi let us borrow all their gear so that we could just jump on stage and play. Play the worst set ever. Um, Peter hits hits the charity mosh, and um, <laughs> and then uh, yeah. So then like months go by, like a few months, and I see Peter posted a set. I, I you know I talked to Peter after the show, and we did the whole Facebook adding thing, and yeah. Yeah, months go by. Peter posts a status. It's like, hey, I'm playing Massachusetts with my band. I need a drummer to fill in, please. It's just three songs. And I didn't even comment on it. I didn't even comment on the status. I I messaged you and I go, hey, I'll do it. And you're like, okay, here are the songs. And I had like two days to learn them. I did a horrible job. Um <laughs> But yeah, that's that's when like I really met everyone. Um, I met Alex and uh, Juan, the old bassist guitarist mm -hmm. at the time, um, and Peter. And uh, one of Peter's first questions was like, so "What are your favorite bands?" I, I <laughs> Dillinger, Coheed, and Funeral for a Friend. Uh, and you're like Coheed, 
what's your favorite album? And then Alex came around and went, Coheed, what's your favorite album? And so, um, yeah, that happened. Show was fun, super fun show. I quit my band uh, January 20, January 1st, 2016. Yeah. 2016. And uh, the same day I hit up Peter, I'm like, yo, uh, I quit my band. I've got a van and trailer. Uh, let me join your band. Let's tour. Uh, doesn't respond. Doesn't respond for like weeks. And then <laughs> three days before our show, he's like, hey, can you learn this? this ep it's an ep release show and i'm like yeah i'll do it and, and, and i you know honestly i didn't do it i'll tell right now i didn't do it yeah i'll do it and uh oh my god i so i play the show and uh well actually that you interviewed me the day before the show right was it the day before or was it after that show i could have swore you came down we talked and then you left did you stay? I stayed. You did? I like I, I came down, I left. Um, I think was it was that for the New York show that didn't happen? Yeah, oh god, yeah. I think it might because there was supposed to be I remember my first show show was supposed to be in New York, but it didn't happen. So I think I was coming down anyway. I went back. Right. Okay. And then I got in trouble because I was working at Chipotle and I quit that job. And when they were like, Yeah, can you do the CP release show? I was like, Yeah, quit that job. But I still think it was the day before was the day after i can't i can't remember when the when the 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 interview was but you can go look up me fumbling on stage for the ep release show it's on youtube um and yeah that was it i guess that's that's how we met my band did really poorly in front of his band that was kicking ass in front of 300 people and uh (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's so funny like (laughs) pale messaged me like hey can I join your band? I I want to tour. It's like all I ever wanted to do was tour, and I didn't respond to that message. Yeah. It's like someone saying, and like after having years of like, you know, our original drummer German, like he he didn't want to tour. That was never a priority of his. Mm. And like here I am, I'm I'm out a drummer. I didn't have a drummer. And you're being offered it on a plate. On a plate. <laughs> I think about it. I'm like, man, I should have just responded immediately. <laughs> like, I actually didn't think I was, I didn't think I was in the band even after the expert show. <laughs> I think that's what it was. I had to like literally ask you and you were like, I was going to tell you next time I saw you. I was like, well, I live in Massachusetts. So I kind of need to know. <laughs> I got around to it. Yeah. That's brilliant. Um, so if we just kind of pull back a little bit, just in terms of like Kanashi starting and to where we are sort of now, Peter, this is probably better for you to answer, but like in terms of like the sound and stuff that you were like going for in those like early embryonic stages, like was it kind of a, a version of what we hear now or did it start off as something very different and is kind of growing? It started off very different. It um, Initially, I was influenced by like, really emotional like it was like birth eater oceana and decoder um and uh just like fear before in there were mm. like the always open mouth kind of like self-titled kind of ways yeah yeah really um 
ambient, emotional, open kind of music that I was thinking about. And um, I remember I heard Start NDP by Sworn In, and I heard Rising Sun by Straight for the Path. And I was like, at the chariot, you know what I mean? Mm. This is the kind of music I want to play. And this idea of just this very, like, it's technical music, but it's like bad production and like moshing and just like, but still like artsy. I just had this, yeah. that was like what it grew into. But it initially started out very different. You ever heard of Heights? I think they're from the UK. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I was trying to be like Heights. I was like, just keep doing like a. And then I told the guitarist, I just go, da, 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 da. and then I would just scream as high as I could, literally just ripping off heights. I mean, if, you know, like the lost <laughs> and alone by heights, like that's literally what that sounds like. And um, then I just heard like what was going on in Chicago with like Rooks and Barriers, Sorted and Kingmaker and, you know, villains. And then I was just finding these other bands that were like these lower level, like, in Alcatraz 1962 and things like that, Adalia, all this mm. kind of lane. I was like, that makes a lot of more sense to be in. You know what I mean? Because I love that kind of music. Like, I could just see myself playing music like that more. So that's how it started. And then just as we played, we just really grew. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Everything just led us to the sound we have now, we were never stuck ever in one sound, mm. which I think just we could never even be that way, considering what we listen to and how we are as people. We could never get stuck in one sound. We're always listening to different music, and we always different yeah, things. that's true. Yeah, yeah. And then in terms of kind of like the growth of the band, obviously we'll get onto the Eleven House in a moment because obviously that's kind of where we're at at the moment, but. Was there like a point that you can either both can think of or separately where like you realize like people outside of like your immediate like friendship group and whatever were starting to pay attention to the band and kind of actually like giving a shit about what you were doing? 2017 was for the one for me. Oh shit, that's like for me at least. Yeah, I was gonna say um, 2015 when we played New York City and like. Um, Danny Wolf was screaming exit. Shot Danny Wolf. Uh, mm. I was just like, oh wow, I don't know this person. <laughs> yeah, that was really the moment. Oh, man. There's no connection, no mutual friends. It's just off music, and it was an amazing feeling. Yeah, that's cool. And Pay, what, what, what was uh, yours? Mine was so. When I joined the band, it was kind of already like uh, that. All was already established, so I had all this like a uh, uh, what would you call it? Like a a bias towards what I viewed Count Ashi as because uh-huh. I hadn't heard yeah. any of the music up until that point. Um, but then 2017, West for the Winter, when it was like, I think we, that was that when we like we played Vegas, and this kid was like, "Yeah, I've been listening to y'all since Native," and I was like, "Yeah," and I was like, "What, bro? Like, what's we're 14?" <laughs> and he was like. <laughs> like that's that's insane uh utah people showing up in utah knowing the words i'm just like utah west for the winter was it utah west for the winter idaho idaho, <laughs> idaho, idaho <laughs> i'm sorry idaho yeah um 
Yeah, and that was I, I feel like that's crazier than Utah, actually. Yeah. Like, it's like <laughs> yeah. wow, we're we're truly in this like middle of nowhere in this. And yeah, there are people that know the words. That is yeah. absolutely bonkers to me. Um, so that was that was definitely West for the winter. That whole tour. Yeah, I would agree. That's cool. So then if we kind of fast forward a little bit to kind of where we are now and obviously the new records out, but it's in this kind of like a continuation of the, the story of Jamie and, and things like that. But first and foremost, like where did the create like creation of this character kind of come from? And like for you, Peter, obviously to have like writing the lyrics do you kind of have to get in the mindset of that character to like write those lyrics? Like, how do you kind of like separate what you're doing as Peter to writing as Jamie, if that makes sense? Um, you want to explain the creation? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, oops, sorry, I'll, I'll bring this back over to me. Sorry. Um, so, uh, yeah, the creation started in 2016. Um, yeah. Me and Peter, uh, you know, when when I joined, me and Peter were like literally. Uh, inseparable uh, every hmm. day, day in, day out. Uh, I, I'd drive Peter to work. Peter would come with me to my work or something like that. Um, and on on one night, like, we were uh, driving to Peter's work and uh, he worked third shift at Wawa. Um, we're talking about how much we love Coheed and how, you know, we've always wanted to do a concept record, but really didn't know the right people because no one ever wanted to. But at the same yeah. time, it had to be good and this and that so we just were like i don't know we were just in the van probably listening to like a loss for words or prince and just like (laughs) going back and forth like like shooting ideas at each other so jamie was created 2016 and was like we were fully well aware of like what we were trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish Mm. everything is super intentional um you know, all the names are picked on purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, Last names too. Yeah. If you want to, so listening, put those pieces together. Um, That's cool. On purpose, yeah. And when it comes to writing, the separation. Um, I don't know. It's a. Uh, it's not hard, like separating my life from the character. Obviously, some of my life is in there. But, yeah, uh, I like to take other stories and even my friends' stories and give them representation through the lyrics. You know what I mean? I, I get a big influence. I was really inspired to do that because of uh, Old Wounds. Um, Kevin said in the interview, Son of No One is like about, you know, a bad relationship with like their father, but Kevin has a great relationship with their father. Kevin yeah. For people who don't. You see what I'm saying? That song mm. is for them. So it's like, I write about things that I might not exactly be going through, but somebody I know is. You know what I mean? Yeah. They have something to listen to. So representation and understanding. But mm. uh, I, I really, it's not hard, like, creating writing from this character's perspective like i just feel like i know jamie better than anybody else so i can speak for them yeah yep that's cool 
and just in terms of like again sort of the the growth and the popularity of the band i'm going to be completely honest here like on first listen of you guys i wasn't the biggest fan of your voice peter i've got to be completely honest with that and i think a lot of people probably have that similar thing and it took a while for my ear to attune to it but do you think that's an advantage or a disadvantage for you guys that you do have the like this really specific sound that takes a while to to bed in but once it's there like you're you're on board like you're you're fully in if that makes sense i think it's a disadvantage more people would like us if we sounded like i prevail that is the um it's just like i feel like it's really a nature versus nurture thing where like i just grew up listening to i guess you could say abrasive music or just weird artists so it's like Kanye west when he was doing you know his thing it was so polarizing to like the gangster rappers out at the time you know what i mean and uh blood brothers is just such what the fuck am i listening to kind of music you know what i mean just like these artists that i grew up listening to i just always chose some shit that was left field so mm. it's the only way i know how to make music just do something weird and different yeah it's like i can't even thank god my voice just sounds like this it's not like i'm <laughs> It would suck if my voice just came out sounding like every other metalcore vocalist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do originality, but it just kind of came out that way. It's like, can that even happen to drumming where you just default play boring? Like, you just play naturally in your own way, I feel like. I'm, yo, I mean, I just have style. I feel like, <laughs> like, I mean, there's definitely boring drummers out there. Yeah. For sure. But I don't. Who chooses that? Like, <laughs> how? How? Just damn, do something different, please. Who chooses? I'm just gonna be boring. I mean, like, I can't reach but, to the right. Sometimes, I guess, like, I mean, you know, not every song needs uh-huh. to have the craziest part. I guess because, like, you know, there's some drummers that they, you know they make a rack off of. Yeah, you know what I mean. So like, and I'm willing to bet I could shred on those drummers, but like, does what does that matter though? Yeah, I don't know. I always pick the, I guess, art side over the popularity. Same. Oh, yeah. Um, I would say it's an advantage, man. Like, for, advantage, I, I just to bring it back yeah. to the question again. I would say it's an advantage. Um, strictly because I, for me, I mean, I guess again because we like weird music, but like. I don't know about you, but I love it when I know exactly who's playing. Yeah. Like, I yeah, don't, yeah. Like, if I don't know, like, hey, who's this again? Like, you, I feel like we're that band, like, we're that type, one of those bands where it's like, you know exactly who it is if you've heard us before. Yeah. If, you, if you haven't yeah. heard us before, then you're going to be like, what the fuck am I listening to right exactly. now? Exactly. Which is also an, a great emotion that I love invoking. You know what I mean? So, oh, it's mm. like, there's some decor band you just play. Just like, I don't know what this is, but like when you hear like, at least for me, like Mitch Lucker's voice, it's like, that's that character. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fucking, uh, Jonathan Davis from fucking Corn. It's like. Yeah, just, yeah. 
I always wanted to be an artist like that. And it's pretty fucking cool that uh, I am now. <laughs> yeah. I've read comments. Oh, I, I hate yeah. you. Your voice is so bad. I hate you. I'm like, damn, dude. Sorry. Like, <laughs> how could anyone listen to this? Like, man, I didn't know it was like that. <laughs> that's that's kind of crazy. I've been like, I'm like thinking about that a lot lately. I was like, wow, people really just like comment these like really mean things, like so unwarranted. And it's like, yo, you are literally like, you don't see it, but you're projecting some serious anger problems yeah. or something. It's like, yo, you need to relax. I'm so fucking sick of this. I'm like, sounds like that personal. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I love it. I don't ever want to stop being. But kind of on that, like, clearly, like, you're like joking about it now, but does it, like, I guess in the earlier days and stuff, did it affect you that people were like, yo, what I the fuck's going on with your voice? I had this, I say this a lot, this blind faith with Kamashi. I just couldn't fathom, like, I guess, failure or like criticism. I was just like, yeah, yeah, we're playing with one year later and from Atlantis, like, I'm just like ignoring everything around me. <laughs> like, damn, man, you shouldn't be here, or like, damn, your voice is trash. Damn, I can't make the show, we're gonna have to drop. And I'm just like ignoring all these negative things around me. I'm like, I'm just happy I'm in a band, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> but like, there, there are always a million reasons for me to get discouraged. It's like, I, I don't know why, I just had this thing to keep me going i'm just gonna keep bringing it back to the fucking red and green lights on the stage i just wanted to be it was the flyest thing i've ever seen i just wanted to be like that so fucking bad that it was the fuel that got me through everything i guess really i was like that's so cool trash talk is so fucking cool how do i get to that point yeah i think about other things i've tried in my life it's like what if I just had that same blind faith with bass? What if I was this bassist? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just had it with vocals. I just, it just makes sense. There's no other option. That's I don't cool. have a degree. I have to make this work. <laughs> because if I go any other route, this is not going to work. Imagine me with a fucking IT job. Can't do it. <laughs> That's cool. Um, so if we kind of go a bit more into obviously the Lemon House specifically, obviously, as I've said, it's kind of like the next step in the journey of Jamie and so forth. But with the actual like record, it kind of runs narratively like from start to finish in in some aspects. But obviously, each track can be interpreted in different ways. Each song kind of addresses different sort of uh, subject matters and, and things like that. But was the the plan in terms of like Jamie's story, was it always going to be like a beginning to end kind of process with this yes. record? Yep. Yeah, we like, as we said, yeah, like yeah. back in 2016, we created this idea and like, we are like very, uh, everything that we do is intentional. Um, and yeah, this was very, very planned out. And like so intentional that all the next steps are also already planned out. That's cool. 
And then, like, as I say, like, because each song can kind of be interpreted in, in different ways, there is that kind of little bit of ambiguity about some of the stuff that's going on. And, like, you're you do have like a very loyal fan base now and obviously they're invested in this story and, and things like that. So have you found that people have maybe kind of read into songs a different way that you have? And is that kind of, again, is that intentional? Uh, I have seen it. It's not intentional for me. I'm not trying to lead people in a different way. I honestly tried to give it more form and give it, this is what happens. The facts story mm. I tried. Some people just take it a completely different way, which is welcome. I don't mind it. Yeah. I'm I, actually glad. I think like, yeah, we've we've had a bunch of different like theories and like this and that. And I love that. I think it's so cool because like, yeah, I mean, I've I've said this before in another interview. Um, but yeah, it's like the that saying of like an author writes one book and sells a hundred copies, it's a hundred and one different books. And you know, I yeah. love that. Like, and so we've had kids like, so is this, this, and this, this? And I have to be like, no, you're totally wrong. But that's a really <laughs> cool idea. I like that. Keep trying. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. cool. And like on that note, then, because as you say, like, you've obviously got this sort of idea in your heads of like what the journey of Jamie's gonna be, where it's gonna go, and so on and so forth. But obviously, an audience is gonna interpret things very differently and things like that so have there been occasions when people have come up with you and you're like oh shit that's a really cool idea like and things like no, that actually yeah we were in uh we were talking the other day like a couple of weeks ago someone was saying something to us we're like damn i think i'm gonna steal that from it's <laughs> a really cool idea um this definitely happened i remember jacob uh jacob Assel. yeah uh he came up with this crazy like his own like world and theory about it and he got so deep into it way deeper than we did and i was like that's sick i love that so uh, yeah definitely definitely happens i thought that i, I thought that's that cool. i just laid it out with enough context and facts with the record but imagine like going to see star wars it's just like you just come up with your own entire <laughs> Like, it's like yeah. all right, well, no, that's pretty hard to like, that's hard to do and i felt like i made it hard like this is what happened and people are just like no i feel like it's like no you don't it doesn't matter what you feel like <laughs> <laughs> and you're like no I, I really feel like no I'm like oh well sure it's <laughs> so flattering that people don't even think about it that they that they care enough you know yes, what I mean? to invest their like thought process into it's, it it's appreciated for real yeah anyone listening please let us know what you think because i i even though it's like not what i wanted it's always welcomed yeah yeah and kind of like you've brought it up a couple of times, obviously, like your guys love for Coheed and Cambria and obviously that idea of like a concept album is kind of obviously brought over into into your own music. But do you kind of find it interesting that like 
you could potentially be like somebody's code in Cambria now that they're, that they're following that through line of a concept and they're following it from start to end. I think about it. Oh, it's like no. all I wish for. Yeah. Literally all <laughs> I wish for. That's like, I wish, I hope, I swear to God, I hope <laughs> I wish to be that lucky. That's so flattering to be like that. If we were know. someone's coheed, I would, because then, you know, then there's going to be a band 10 years later that does a concept record and it's crazy. I would love that. I would be so happy. I would be. The, oh. the mission would be accomplished. 100%. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. Because that's what it's really about. Like, you know, like the shows, tours and all that stuff is cool. But like at the end of the day, like getting the legacy and like, you know, making, yeah. making the statement as the artist is what it is for me. Way hmm. that I always looked at is it, like you will become a legend from like you know your accomplishments and like what you do, but it's really by like who you put on, you know what I mean, and who you really like. Uh, you reap what you sow, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, I'm trying to really just book as many people's bands as I can, buy people's merch, fucking give people advice, you know what I mean, just like putting more into the scene so that more comes out of it you know what i mean like i just want to see more bands i want to see booking mm. shows taking pictures at shows just going to them you know what i mean it's uh i just want to keep adding to it that's like really the goal for me i mean i, I say touring but the older i've gotten and the more i've seen like the effects of things I've done five years ago now. Mm. I want to see that more. You know what I mean? It's a, that's been such a rewarding feeling. That was not the goal in the beginning, but the goal has definitely like uh, changed. Yeah. It's rewarding. And just before I start to wrap things up, there's two other little things that I want to kind of touch upon. First, Peter, is the tweet that you have pinned to the top of your, your Twitter is the I want to sign to uh, Equal Vision Records. And obviously that is something that did happen. So, again, is that the going back to the blind faith in the band sort of thing that you manifested it and it happened? We. I'm not even like, we manifested that. You're, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I still don't know how it happened. It's just like. Equal Vision Records. What was the question? <laughs> Just in terms of like the, because like obviously you put that tweet out in the world and obviously it, it happened. So like, I don't know, like I'm more kind of thinking like when you did sign, did you like go back and find that tweet? Yeah, I looked up Equal Vision Records on everything, on fucking Facebook, on Twitter, like even just scrolling through my um, Instagram. I would just make jokes about it. I just posted a picture of me like, me when I signed the EVR. <laughs> as a joke, because I knew that's what I always wanted. And it's just like, yeah, we really did it. It's just such a weird timeline. It's like, we signed, I, like, the way I just studied the game, I, like, watched how bands signed. Yeah. Without the good EP, you tore off it, you fucking get signed, then you do that crazy first support tour. And I just had this fucking timeline in my head. I just watched it happen with everybody else. I watched it happen with For All I Am. I watched it happen with Capsize. I was like, 
I want my ticket home. It's going to happen for me. Sworn in, Siler. I just watched it happen. You know what I mean? Yes. And I was like, yes, it's my turn. And then there was a pan- a worldwide pandemic. <laughs> so first world problem. Oh, the pandemic ruined my metalcore dream. <laughs> but it's but yeah, it did. I was just like, dude, what's going on? The wor- no more touring. Touring is gone. Like that's never happened that I remember. Yeah, yeah. I never heard of like, oh, just there are no more shows. Like when your mom says like Halloween's not happening this year or something, like Christmas ain't happening this year. <laughs> like that's not real. Dude, that can't happen. It's <laughs> not true. Just, when it hit me, when I was like really in the house for weeks, I was like, dude, this is insane. The world has ended. Because like touring is like the world to me. Can't tour. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I'll get a house. Buy a lawnmower and yeah, and a, a grill and and live like a person. Who wants to fucking do that? Nah. I want to drink in venues, <laughs> play on stages, and check mics, fucking hold shirts. And, I don't know. Some people want to become Olympians. Some people want to, I don't know, cure diseases. I just really want to play with Bill Maya, dude. Like, that's all I want. It's so close. We're so close to being a, like, we're, we are a touring band, but there's just that level that I want. The, like, yeah, yeah. Tour volumes of just, it's going to dance. Just like, this is going to be insane in like five years, maybe like two years. When we like actually tour, like play a festival with like DGD or volumes, it just feels so fucking far. But we're getting, yeah, every fucking move we make, we're getting closer. I'm just talking personally now. I'm because, yeah, that's cool. Like, and still going for that, that feeling that I got, you know what I mean? Always still reaching for it. You feel about this about signing Equivision and everything like yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, dude, I mean, you know exactly how it's like so close. To where, yeah, it literally. <laughs> so it's like me and Peter like talk about that a lot. Of, but the creation of Jamie was like also talking about like uh, you know, EVR was clearly the goal for us. Like we always have like, yeah the box logo on the back of the, the lyrics box of like the logo. like and like the thank yous and then like what label is this? Oh, Equivision, yeah. hell yeah. Like, and, um, yeah, it's like, it all, it feels like that moment was like, you, you're at like the seven different million universe doors mm-hmm. and we walked through the right one, you know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah. feel like I'm not supposed to be in this room. I feel like someone else is supposed to be here. Um, but, uh. Cause I watched so many other people get it. I just. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. I fucking, yeah, I mean, it's, it's surreal. It's amazing. But, uh. Yeah, I, I'm excited for the road because, yeah, we're like, yeah, we're gonna go on our first, our first one with EVR, and then, no, <laughs> it makes you feel like it's not real. Yeah, that's all. Like, yeah, yeah, that's the biggest thing is because we, yeah, like, like just this million dollar check in your hand, and just every bank in the world closes, and I'm like, 
<laughs> you cannot catch this. It expires in two days. Dude. Yeah, that's how it fucking felt. Oh man! But all good and the now. yeah, and the other thing that I wanted to kind of like briefly touch upon is obviously the the video from This Is Hardcore that obviously got shared around and got more, a lot more eyes on you. And I don't want to kind of go into it specifically because I know you've spoken about it in other interviews and stuff. But the one thing I did want to ask about was all the like the people in the front of the crowd wearing obviously your merch and stuff. So was that, I don't want to say that was something that was planned, but did you know that was something that was going to happen? Or did you just look out in the crowd and see everyone in this sea of blue? Like, how did that kind of happen? It was planned. It was planned. So what that was, was our announcement of like, hey, we signed to Equal Vision. Yeah, yeah. um, You know, we had, we like made a post on Instagram. that was like, hey, if you want to be part of something special, email this email. And, uh, then we we're like, hey, meet us at the merch table 15 minutes before the set. And we started handing out the, the hoodies to like, you know, all the people that respond. It's like a lot of like uh, you know, really dedicated fans. And they all were like, why does it say equal vision records on the back? <laughs> like <laughs> kind of the whole thing. So it was totally planned, 100 percent Um, and we wanted to, you know, make a statement to the world because we knew so many people were gonna be there uh and get confused by it, or if they knew what was going on and they saw the EVR logo, like if they knew who we were, um, they'd be like, oh, okay, this is what happened. That's sick. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, so them all having the merch totally planned. Uh, who having the merch? Not necessarily planned, though. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was exactly. a first come, first serve sort of it thing. It really was. That's cool. And then so... If we kind of get to where we are now, obviously, like Perry, you said, like you've kind of got the the next steps planned and, and so on and so forth of like the story and the band in general. So obviously I know like we're kind of talking about the record that's just come out this year, but like what is the next step at the moment? Um well I mean more music. Yeah. Um I guess like I I don't know. I mean it's a tough one to answer because like I don't want to give anything away, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, but like, there is definitely like, there's gonna be. I can say like, you know, it's going to be continued. The story is gonna be continued, but uh, I don't think in the way that people think. Um, yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna be really cool. I think it's gonna be a nice uh, curveball for everyone. That's cool. And obviously, again, like, I don't want you to be like spoilers and giving stuff away. But like, just in terms of like, in your heads or even on paper. Like, how far ahead are you with the story? Like, do you have an end, or is it something that's continually growing uh, and building? There's an end. Like, yeah. Like, uh, it's like musically and like, uh, so like it's not all musically written, but the ideas are there. Um, and like same, right. so same lyrically, but the storyline also like outline is all there. So like, we've got the, we've got the house. Now we just need to like. Uh, you know, put well. I I feel like we so. I don't know. The structure's up. The structure of the house. We got to build the house. We got to finish it and lay it all out. Yeah. The structure's up. You got the foundations, but yeah, you need the yeah, bricks. Exactly. There you go. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we know exactly what we want to do and where we want to go and what we're going to say. Um, and I guess that's all I can say. Yeah. That's cool. 
Right, before I do let you go, guys, uh, how I like to end this is to ask my guests what their favourite song is, but with a bit of a twist. And it might be a bit difficult because you may not have played much of the new stuff live, but we'll give it a shot and see where you're at at the moment. So for each of you, what's your favourite Kay and Ashley song that you'd like to play live and why? Off the new record? No, 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 play oh, live. Oh, any song. Oh, Real Leather. Real Leather. Um, because uh, of the ending. Since we haven't um, played any of the new ones live besides Scooter. Um, oh, man. Oh, wow. Oh, God. Um, because of the... Jeez, oh, I can't think. I really like playing... I really <laughs> like playing... Uh, Usually, actually, I kind of hate playing <laughs> Our Troubled Selves because it's the worst spot in the set where I'm, like, so tired. Yeah. That playing, like, the blast beat in this crazy hi-hat part is, uh, I'm tired and just, like, get me through this. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think my favorite, yeah, no, my favorites you'll understand so far, but I know it's going to be Counselor's Office off the new record. I know it's yeah. going to be that. Or Blue Pop. It's going to be one of those two. Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to everything you do in the future. Um, I've got to ask, biasly, any plans to come over to our side of the shore? Oh, we absolutely time? want to. There's no like solid plans, but yeah, boy, we want to. God, <laughs> That's cool. Well, when it happens, I'll, I'll definitely oh, be yeah. there. Um, one final thing, just Peter, I've got to say awesome soul glow t-shirt that you're wearing oh, fucking yeah. the best band at the moment i fucking love that band insane justin after circus survive which is fucking amazing congratulations wait that's fucking i saw that yesterday i was like this is yeah. nuts and i wanted to come to the uk so bad what a crazy show tiger's jaws circus survive and soul glow that is i it's fucking insane yeah absolutely nuts but yeah, guys, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. And all the best with everything in the future. Thank you so much. Cheers, guys. So there we have it, folks. Again, a huge thank you to Peter and Perry for taking some time and having a little chat with me. Uh, their new, Ken Ash's new record, Did Lemon House um is out now go so go stream that as mentioned in the chat like peter's voice is like a really unique one within sort of like the alternative world and it was one that personally took a while to sort of grow on me but it's definitely like a distinguishable voice that's got a lot of good to say even though they kind of do it in an unusual way with their concept albums so yeah go check out that as always, if you want to keep up to date with what the band are doing, you can do so on all their various social media platforms, which will be linked in the description notes of this episode. Again, just going to put it out there. Charity sampling number two coming out soon. Still got a few more spots left. So if you want to submit a track, you can do so by hitting us up on our social medias, which is at just underscore and underscore insight on both Instagram and Twitter. Just an Insight Podcast on Facebook, or you can email us just underscore and underscore insight at hotmail.co.uk. Uh, that is it for another week. We're into the next 100 episodes, so let's see if we can roll this through to 300. Thank you, everyone, again, so, so much for your support. If you like what you hear on the show, as always, rate, subscribe, review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. 
you probably hear that from every show you listen to, but there's a reason people say it because it does help get more listeners on the shows. Anyway, I'm going to stop rambling. Thank you again for stopping by the Justin Insight podcast, and I will see you soon. Bye.